Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 70, The Gift of Forgiveness. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Today's battle buddy moment is a Facebook review from Lara Mills, and she says, Simply Resilient Life Coaching is a great way to overcome so many roadblocks in life and do it with power and positivity. The dinner nights are a blast and so helpful. Jesse embodies so much of what we can all do for ourselves when we clear our minds of incorrect and unhelpful thoughts. I highly recommend Jesse as a life coach. Thank you so much for that battle buddy moment. I want to take a minute and remind you guys why I read a review at the beginning of every episode and why I call it a battle buddy moment. And this is because to me, a battle buddy is someone who has your back and a battle buddy is somebody who is looking out for you and cares about your well-being. And I think that's what reviews really represent for me for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's so awesome when you take the time to leave a review for me because it first of all, it's a huge thank you to me when you take the time to leave a review. I really, really appreciate it. And second of all, when you take the time to leave a review, whether it's a review for my podcast or a review for my coaching in general on Facebook or on iTunes, wherever you're leaving the review, you're also looking out for other people because you're sharing your experience with them. You're taking the time to let them know what this work does for you and why it helps you and how. And That is such a gift because it's so easy when you haven't tried something and you're not totally sure what it is to just be really skeptical and kind of hard to take that leap of faith. And when you read from other people that they're loving it and enjoying it and improving their lives with it, it can just really give you that boost you need to take take the leap yourself and give it a try. So when you take that time, you know, a minute or two to just go in and leave a review, if you're loving my podcast or if we've ever worked together in coaching, you are not only helping me, but you're helping anybody who is out there wondering if it's something that they should give a try. So please take a minute to leave a review and I will share it as a battle buddy moment in one of my episodes. I have one more piece of business before we get into the content that I have prepared for you guys today. And that is to remind you to go check out Milligram. This is a subscription service that you can use during a deployment where you receive a unique phone number and text pictures to this phone number. And then they are printed and mailed to your loved one wherever they are, whether they're just on a couple of months training, even stateside, overseas, they're gone a year, whatever it is. You can set up the frequency, you can set up the number of pictures that are printed and sent, and after you just set it all up one time, then it just runs, and all you have to do is send in pictures that you're taking of your kids and yourself on on your phone, knowing that your loved one is getting that mail is so rewarding, and I'm excited to use Milligram the next time my husband's deployed, and I love how easy it is to use and I love that I don't have to remember and keep track of anything because Milligram will send you reminders saying, okay, two weeks left until your pictures go to print or one day left until your pictures go to print. And so I never miss that print window. And I love that it's easy to set up, easy to use. And I know your loved one will absolutely love receiving printed pictures from home. He has these pictures on his phone, but there's nothing like holding them in your hand and putting them on your desk and next to your bed and things like that, that just brings that feeling of home 
to them where they are. So go check it out, milligram.co. That's M-I-L-I-G-R-A-M dot C-O. Okay, we are ready to get into it, you guys. I love this topic of forgiveness, and I can still remember a couple of years ago when I was first discovering all of these tools and mind management when I listened to my first podcast episode about thinking about forgiveness in a new way, about opening my mind up to what it could be like to forgive people in my life for my own sake and what needed to actually take place for that to happen. At that point, forgiveness was relatively elusive to me. I knew what it felt like when I had forgiven someone. I knew when I wanted to forgive somebody. I knew when I didn't want to forgive somebody, but I wasn't really sure how to actually do it and how to do it intentionally and create it for myself when I once I knew it was something that I desired. So that's what we're going to get into today is talking about what you may currently think about forgiveness and then I want to teach you what I now believe about forgiveness. Okay, so the definition of forgiveness is that it's a conscious or deliberate decision to release feelings of anger and resentment towards somebody who has harmed you. As I began to prepare this episode, it made me think about one of my most favorite songs from the Broadway play Hamilton, which we've been watching on Disney Plus and listening to the soundtrack and just really enjoying my kids and I, my older kids and I. And the song is called Quiet Uptown and it's near the end and it's just one of the sweetest, saddest parts of the story because in the story, in the play, Alexander Hamilton and Eliza's son has just been killed in a duel and Eliza is going through a lot. Eliza is Alexander's wife and she has a lot to be upset about right now. Her husband has cheated on her and wanted to clear his name by telling the world. He's not, he wasn't currently cheating on her, but he did in his past and he didn't want it to come back and haunt him. So he put it out there for everybody to know. And then his son, who was then going to defend his father's honor because people were shaming his name, challenged someone to a duel who had openly insulted his father and then was killed in that duel. And so this song talks about that moment that they're in where their marriage is in trouble and their hearts are broken because their son has died and they're not sure where they're going to go from here. And one of the lines near the beginning of the song that is so beautiful is it talks about there are moments where you're in so deep it seems easier to just swim down. I think that's the sweetest, most beautiful visual representation of what it feels like to be just at the lowest point you've ever been, to be so sad, so heartbroken, so undone, so overwhelmed that swimming down looks easier than swimming up. And it's important to know that's where she is in this moment, Eliza, because I think that when you're studying forgiveness, the mo- most of the time when you apply it in your life, it's going to be in lighter circumstances than this, right? And that's mostly what we are going to talk about in this episode today. But we are going to get into some of the heavier stuff. Some of these things that feel unforgivable. Some of these circumstances caused by other people's decisions and actions that can feel unforgivable. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So there's just this moment in the song that represents Eliza forgiving Alexander of all that is happening and his part in it. And it's so beautiful and sweet and the look on his face. And every time I watch it, I just cry because it's such an intense expression of one of the hardest things 
anyone could ever go through. And the song basically says, you know, she steps up and takes his hand and just says, it's quiet uptown. And then the song says, forgiveness. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that she forgave her husband for all that pain that he caused her? So now let's get back to the life coaching. And if you haven't watched Hamilton, go watch it right now. And you can't really start by just listening to the music because you won't appreciate the music as much until you've watched it and know the story it's telling. There's no talking in that play. It is all music and it's fabulous and you need to go watch it. So we know if you've been listening to my podcast and you know what it is that I believe and that I teach, we know that Hamilton did not cause Eliza that pain. We know that her thoughts about what he did caused her that pain. That doesn't take away her pain. She wants to be in pain when her son is killed. She wants to be in pain when her husband cheats on her. But in that moment of forgiveness, she's decided to think new thoughts about those circumstances. Everything her husband did is in the circumstance line and the forgiveness occurs in the thought and feeling line. We decide to think something new about the circumstances that previously were causing us pain and anger and resentment because we are ready to feel something different. And then when we change our thoughts, we change how we're feeling. And when we intentionally, deliberately, consciously release those feelings of anger and resentment by telling a new story, by thinking new thoughts about the circumstances, that is when forgiveness occurs. So one thing that I think about when I think about the way that I used to think about forgiveness was, first of all, like I've already mentioned, that what needed to change was other people's behavior, that what needed to be forgiven was the pain that person had caused me, right? It wasn't my thoughts. It was their actions that caused me that pain. I didn't know I was skipping the thought line in that way of thinking about it, but I was. And another thing that comes to mind is that sort of biblical advice when it comes to forgiving and that is to forgive and forget which is funny because that's not even biblical I'm not totally sure where that comes from and I actually see why people say it and the wisdom behind it but I think we can get a little caught up and we can misunderstand that counsel just a little bit what we're actually commanded to do if you are a religious person and if you do you know believe in God and and read the scriptures and believe in the scriptures is we're commanded to forgive all men we're commanded to forgive people 70 times seven times which basically just means that we're not the ones to hold people accountable for their actions we're not the ones to bring down judgment on other people we have been commanded to forgive others always So let's go back to the forgive and forget for a minute. I think what people are trying to say with this sentiment is simply, I don't want this to take up so much room in my brain anymore. I don't think that we're actually being advised to forget what happened. I don't know if as humans we're even capable of that. So I want, when you hear that phrase, the forgive and forget one, I just want you to take it a little more loosely and remember that it's advice for you. You're not forgetting what the person did because they deserve for that action to be forgotten. You're forgetting in a way that just means letting it take up less space or even no space in your brain anymore of that current active space you're using on a daily basis for yourself. You're lessening that suffering that this action and your thoughts about it are taking on you. You're ready to suffer less or stop suffering by thinking new thoughts about this circumstance. So forgive and forget, I would encourage you to translate it that way. We're not meant to 
We don't need to wait to forgive someone until we think we'll be able to forget what they did. Where you can decide that it's time to forgive somebody simply as soon as you're ready to feel differently. So let's get into that for a minute. I want to talk about what is not required to be present, to be occurring in order to forgive somebody. So it is not required to interact with someone again once you've forgiven them or to even, you know, to see them or have them in your life. You can forgive someone and decide that they're not going to be in your life anymore. Now, I want you to watch for this one because what you're going to have the urge to do is think that they have to be out of my life in order for me to forgive them. But I want you to try to forgive them and then choose to have them out of your life simply because you want to. When you feel like they have to be out of your life for you to be able to forgive them, that to me feels like trying to hold on to the old thoughts, but you're just not going to think them because you're not going to be interacting with this person. So we don't want to go through the motions of forgiving somebody. If you're truly wanting to let go of that anger and resentment and for your own benefit, again, there needs to be a true change of thoughts. You need to believe something new about the story, about the circumstances. And then in your action line, you can choose to have that person not be a part of your life anymore, but still be experiencing that true forgiveness. So another thing that is not required when it comes to forgiving someone is that the other person does not have to be sorry. And so many times they're not. This one can be really challenging. This is one that I used to not understand very well, and it's one that I'm still working on. But as I understand this concept better and realize that forgiveness is for me, for my mental state, for my benefit, I realize I don't need to wait on anything from the other person. If I'm ready to feel differently, then I can forgive that person. They don't even have to be sorry. Another one goes right along with this is the the other person doesn't have to stop. Now, this one's really interesting because when we say we're sorry for doing something, sorry means we're going to try and stop. That's what I believe sorry means. And it can be really challenging when somebody does the same hard thing again, when they've said sorry, or, or even if they haven't said sorry, just to s- see them take that action again or say that thing again. And we want them to stop doing it. And we have the urge to believe that we can't forgive them until they stop doing it. But I want to teach you guys today why they can keep doing that thing and you can still forgive them if you're ready. So this goes back a little bit to that first one of the person being in your life or not. You have a couple of options when someone in your life is doing something that you have decided to take offense over or be harmed by with your thoughts. You can either adjust your thoughts so that that thing doesn't offend you anymore. And this is often a very viable option because it's, it's like in that episode that I talked about giving people the benefit of the doubt. I have another little phrase similar to that where instead of looking to be offended, so these are often for the, you know, the simpler things, the things people will say, or if they stick their foot in their mouth or, you know, just do something kind of lightly offensive like that. I am on a mission to be, instead of looking to be offended, I'm on a mission to be looking to be not offended. So when someone says something, I make it a little bit of a game. I watch myself have the urge to be offended by the thing. I even think through like, oh, someone else would probably think this about what that person just said. But I've decided to just think this instead, you know, and then I kind of almost amuse myself with quickly finding a different way to think about what they said. One really go-to thought for me in that moment is I've just decided not to make that mean anything about me. 
that's one that I'll think to myself. And I've got that one just locked and loaded. So I'll give you a couple of quick examples. Just in the past few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, my daughter saw a picture of me, my ninth grade high school picture. And she said, you kind of look like Uncle Tim here. And everyone kind of laughed and I wasn't quite laughing yet. And I just thought, what a weird comment. And I don't think I look like my husband's brother when I'm in ninth grade. I also don't think I look like a boy, but she just thought that would be funny to say. And I let her know. If you had said that to someone else, they'd probably be a little bit offended, but I think I look great in that picture or whatever. And I just moved on. So I'm looking to not be offended, right? She can think that I look like anything she wants to think in that moment. And then she can even say it. And I just don't enjoy being offended. And so I decide what I want to think about it. I decided not to make that mean anything about me. Another one that I was just sharing with my mom the other day was that my husband is not super interested in life coaching. He's not, he does not share my passion for discussing this stuff. And he gets to talk to me all the time. So all that being said, he has actually only listened to a few of my podcast episodes. I'll send him the ones that I think he'll really enjoy. I'll text him the link and then he'll listen to them and let me know what he thought about it. But out of these, you know, 70 plus episodes I've recorded, he's only listened to a few. And I can just so easily watch that little urge pop up of wanting to make it mean all kinds of things that my husband doesn't support me, that he doesn't think my podcast is valuable, you know, so many things. And then I just realize I don't think any of that. And I don't want to feel the way I'd feel if I was thinking those things. And I know my husband supports me. He doesn't have to listen to my podcast for me to know that. And I'm able to quickly just remind myself that this is just not that interesting to him. You know, some of those reasons I listed before, you know, that he gets to talk to me all the time. So he, he already knows what I think about all of these things. And so as I was telling my mom that, I said, you know, Brad hasn't listened to, to very many of my episodes. And I've just decided not to make that mean anything about me. <laughs> and it's just this fun game to watch that offense almost just creep up. And then just immediately dissolve because I'm looking to not be offended. Okay, so that's, that was kind of a tangent, sorry. But that's another option when the person's not stopping, right? Is to figure out how to not be offended when they do these things. If it's not something that's crossing any boundaries for you. So you can change your thoughts or if the action is more serious and crosses boundaries for you, you can make requests of the person that they stop and you can let them know that if they don't stop, just like we talked about in our boundaries episode, if they don't stop, then here's the action you will take. If the person decides not to stop, then that might be the moment that you decide to not be in that person's life anymore. So if you feel like you can't change your thoughts easily enough or frequently enough, or that the action that that person is taking crosses boundaries for you and they won't comply with your request to stop, then that, again, that might be the moment where this is a person who isn't going to be in your life anymore. And that doesn't have to come without the forgiveness. You can still forgive them. You can still recognize their humanness. You can still not make it mean anything about you. And you can remove them from your life. So that's what's available to you when the person is not going to stop. Either because they don't want to or they feel like they can't. There's lots of reasons why people don't stop doing the thing that's very hard on you. And again, there's a whole spectrum of quote unquote offense. So you have to decide where their actions are on that spectrum. And it also kind of depends on who the person is in your life, right? If it's somebody who, you know, just an acquaintance or a friend, that's usually quite easy to say, 
I'm not going to spend time with you anymore because I have to do too much mind management around you. But if it's a parent or a spouse or a sibling or a child, somebody who you do want to keep in your life, there are so many options as far as getting really clear on your boundaries and how you can keep yourself safe while still keeping that person in your life and also understanding the model and what it means to feel offended and how you want to think about what that person is doing. There's not only one way to think about these actions that people take. Another thing that is not required in order to forgive someone is that they deserve forgiveness. Now, this is where we go back to some of those examples of what can feel unforgivable, right? When someone has done something so terrible that they don't, and and they're not sorry, you know, all these reasons that could come up for it feeling like they do not deserve your forgiveness. They don't need to deserve it. You don't need to believe that they deserve your forgiveness. I want you to believe that you deserve to feel forgiveness because you deserve to feel less anger and resentment in your life. You give away your power when you hang on to that anger and resentment over the offense, over the action that was taken. And then the final thing that is not required in order to forgive someone is, again, that you forget the action or that you are condoning it by forgiving them or excusing the behavior by forgiving them. None of those things are actually what are occurring when you forgive somebody. So many of us have you know one or two people in our life that we want to forgive but we've hung on to it longer than we wanted to because we just weren't sure how so again that's what I'm trying to help you wrap your mind around today is what it really means to forgive somebody so that you can have more a better understanding of how you can go about it if it's something that's been elusive to you until now so there's a couple of podcast episodes that I highly recommend that you listen to um Jody Moore's podcast, Better Than Happy, episode number 141 is about forgiveness and she does a fabulous job. And I always think that when you're really digging into a topic, I love to go listen to several people's thoughts and opinions and stories on this topic because it really helps me complete my own thoughts. As I'm kind of building what I've decided I want to think and believe about forgiveness, I love to hear from a few different sources and then add them to what I already am thinking about it. And then there's an episode from Brooke Castillo on the Life Coach School podcast about forgiveness. I didn't write down the episode number, so you'll just have to search for that one. But hers is, oh my goodness, if you haven't listened to the Life Coach School podcast, you need to. She is on another level, you guys. There are, there are things about her that kind of rub me the wrong way or I'll, I'll like disagree with a little bit, but I actually kind of love that about mentors. You, you don't have to be 100% in line with everybody you're learning from. And I find that it strengthens my own stance when she presents thoughts or feelings that I don't quite agree with. But there are so, so many of her episodes and thoughts and things that I listen to that just knock my socks off. Go check out that episode of hers on forgiveness. So I hope you're starting to see that the moment of forgiveness actually occurs in your mind, in your thoughts and your feelings before any action is taken. I think that when we're thinking about forgiving someone, we think about the actions we take, right? We have a conversation with them. We tell them, we forgive them. We, you know, ask them to apologize. We tell them how they've hurt us, you know, whatever those actions are. And those actions aren't wrong or bad. They just aren't the first thing. The work to do first is in your own mind, on your thoughts and your feelings. 
So forgiving someone is letting go of negative thoughts and feelings about that person, about the action they've taken, about the way they showed up in a certain situation, right? And one thing that I like to think about when I am wanting to let go of negative thoughts and feelings towards somebody is that they are doing their best. And that thought is not always easy to believe, especially about adults that we know they know better. But I have taught my brain the ways that this thought is true, even when my lower brain is like, oh, absolutely not. They are not doing their best. They can do way better than that. I believe that in that moment, that person was doing their best for whatever reason. And I believe that sometimes our best looks terrible. And when I'm able to know that, when I'm able to open up room in that definition for people doing their best and it's sometimes looking terrible, that helps me believe that thought more strongly. And there's a lot of reasons why, even if someone knows better and even has done better in the past, why I can believe in that moment when they did that thing, whatever it is, that terrible thing, that it was their very best in that moment is because I know that what they're doing is not about me. And I know that hurt people hurt other people. And I'm also learning how to release my expectations of what other people should do and be. I have manuals full of what I think people should do and be. And I'm practicing letting go of those manuals and instead opening up to just what they actually are doing and are being in the world instead of what I think it should be. And I have so much more peace and love in my heart for everybody around me. I just love all the humans in all their humanness. And I've decided to believe that everyone is doing their best at any given moment. And sometimes their best is terrible. And what's magical about all of this understanding that you start to get over this topic is that one of the most beautiful places to apply all these tools and concepts is on yourself. And practicing on yourself is a great place to start. If you're not ready to forgive other people for the things that they've done yet, for the way you're thinking about the things that they've done, start with yourself. Start taking a look at areas of your life where you're struggling to forgive yourself. You're struggling to believe that you're doing your best because when the way you show up in a situation looks terrible, you haven't extended that definition of sometimes our best looks terrible. And so then you're not able to believe that you're doing your best in that moment. You're not allowing for your own humanness and you're having a lot of expectations about how you should be in the world. And the reason that I titled this episode, The Gift of Forgiveness This is, again, going back to that episode of Benefit of the Doubt. When we forgive ourselves and when we forgive other people, it is a gift we give ourselves. Just like with the Benefit of the Doubt, when we give other people the Benefit of the Doubt, we're receiving the benefit. It's not the benefit for other people. It's not the gift we give the person who has taken the action that has offended us. It is a gift that we give ourselves. So Brooke describes this in a way that I love. And she talks about how when we've decided to love somebody, they're not injected with our love. They, they have, they cannot feel this feeling we've decided to have for them. We just feel it. We just get to feel love, which feels so good. And then it's the same thing when it comes to this topic of forgiveness or alternately, you know, anger and resentment, we're not punishing them with our anger and resentment. They don't feel it. And then we are not rewarding them with our decision to forgive and love that person amidst all their humanness, we get to feel it. We punish ourselves when we hold on to anger and resentment, and we reward ourselves when we let go of those feelings and 
create forgiveness and love and understanding. All of that is for our own good, for our own benefit. And it's a gift we give ourselves. Now, I want to go to the cupcake analogy for a minute here, which I love. It's one of my favorites. Go listen to the cupcake concept if you haven't heard that one yet. And I want to talk about, I want to go back to that moment that I described from Hamilton. Because one of the sweetest parts about that part where she takes his hand and then they start singing about forgiveness is his face in that moment. And he is so overwhelmed by the fact that she has opened herself up to him again and decided to forgive him. And he's crying and you can tell that it is everything to him. It means so much to him that she forgives him. So here I am saying we don't reward that person with our forgiveness. We only reward ourselves. So I want to explain what I've, what I've decided to believe about that. And it goes along with this cupcake concept. When we feel anger or resentment towards a person, we are punishing ourselves. And that's the cupcake. And then they are punishing themselves knowing that we're angry at them. You know, if that bothers them. But we're going to stick with this Hamilton example. So he's heartbroken. He understands why she's angry with him and, and feeling the way she's feeling. But it's breaking his heart that, he, that he's hurt his wife this way. So, but that is only ever the frosting, okay? The way that, that she has decided to think and feel about what he has done is hurting her on the cupcake level and hurting him on the frosting level, okay? Because he is in his own model and everything she does is in his circumstance line, just like everything he does is in her circumstance line. And they each get to decide what they want to think and feel about what the other person's doing. So while he appears to be very affected by her anger, and then again, equally, if not more so affected by her gift of forgiveness, he's affected by her forgiveness because what he has decided to think about her forgiving him. So that's what, in that way, that's what I mean by it not being, he is not rewarded by her forgiveness he has decided to reward himself with his thoughts that he's having about how relieved and happy and grateful he is that she is forgiving him. And one way we can know this is we can forgive somebody, but if they've decided not to forgive themselves for what has happened, they can still be 100% completely miserable, right? We, we can't inject them with that feeling of forgiveness and being forgiven. They can only create that for themselves, So when we forgive somebody, we receive the benefit of forgiving them. And then if they decide to forgive themselves and believe that we forgive them and change their thoughts about what's going on, then they receive their own benefit from creating that for themselves and receive that frosting from us of of our deciding to forgive them. So in that way, we do affect each other, but only based on the thoughts we decide to have about what that other person is doing. The Cupcake Concept episode is episode 42. And if you haven't listened to that one, go check it out. I use that concept so much in my coaching. It's one of my favorite tools on cleaning up the way we think about our models and other people's models and what happens when we get them all mixed up. So go check that one out. So my clients will often ask me how they can know if they're ready to forgive somebody or when they should forgive them or again, how to go about doing it. And I tell them that They can stay angry and resentful as long as they want. There is no problem with that. And one thing that I encourage them to do is to call it what it is, just like we talk about all the time, and to not tell themselves that little lie of, I have no choice but to stay angry at this person, or like, I'd forgive them if I could, but I can't, and so I'm, I'm stuck here. 
I want you to always own that you're choosing it. You're choosing to keep it for now and that's okay. You could forgive them if you wanted to, if you felt ready, if it was the time, but for whatever reason, you've decided it's not the time. And so you're choosing to stay where you are. We don't want to ever feel like we have to be stuck where we are, but it's okay to be stuck. Just remind yourself you're choosing it and that's okay. Just be kind to yourself and understanding. For whatever it is you're going through, you want to hang on to that story and those thoughts for a while. And you'll know when you're ready to forgive somebody because you'll be ready to feel differently. Because you'll be tired of feeling angry and resentful. Because you'll be feeling tired of that poison you experience of holding on to this painful story. And you'll be tired of it taking up so much space in your mind and draining your energy. This is the point you get to if you find yourself holding on to something for a while. You'll start to see and feel this effect. And this is what I mean by saying that when we hang on to this, we're only punishing ourselves. But that's okay. That doesn't mean that you need to forgive people right away. It's okay. You can take all the time you need and just know that when you're ready to do it, that you will benefit from doing the work that it takes to truly forgive somebody. When we're struggling to forgive, you'll often find yourself very caught up in the details and the mechanics of what happened and of the circumstances. You'll be caught up in whether or not this person is close to you or not, whether or not you feel like you need to keep them in your life or not, whether or not they've done it one time or continue to do it. Just like we've already talked about, you'll also find yourself wanting to tell people a lot so that you can get validation for staying where you are. So a few things that I want to recommend to you as you work towards forgiving somebody is it it can be so helpful and provide relief and, and healing and validation to tell somebody about what happened. But again, just like with that shame blame episode where we talked about how it can be really helpful to share the experience and that can really neutralize the shame, watch yourself want to tell it again to a lot of people and have people tell you that you're right and you're justified and you're anger and then manage that urge and just pick one or two people to tell it to for seeking again that validation, that healing, that relief, but not for seeking people to side with you and team up with you and make you feel right because that actually just keeps you stuck. That makes it feel safe and comfortable to stay in this painful story. Another thing that can be really helpful as you work towards forgiveness is to write a letter to this person. This is especially helpful if you're never going to have a conversation with this person about what happened. And it's okay if you decide that's what's appropriate. Sometimes you will have a conversation with somebody about what happened. And sometimes that either won't be necessary or won't be helpful. Sometimes it's not even available to you. Say the person has passed away or something like that. And writing a letter to this person can be very helpful for getting all of those feelings out of you and then kind of cleaning up what's going on inside your mind and deciding how you want to feel moving forward. So that's another one that I recommend. And then a third recommendation that I have for you, we've already touched on, but is basically changing your perspective on what has happened. For me, what helps is when I try to, to broaden my perspective, almost as, th- almost as if the way you know God would look at what had happened. So... I watched a movie a couple of years ago called The Shack. I don't know if any of you guys have seen this, but it's a pretty intense movie. And I wasn't really sure how I felt about it, even while I was watching it. But it was very moving and very emotional. And basically, a man loses his daughter. She's kidnapped and murdered. And it's, again, going back to that 
just unimaginable, unforgivable place. And he is just obsessed. It consumes him trying to find her, find the killer. And it it has wrecked his life. I mean, it's just, he is punishing himself. He is loathing the person. He is loathing God. It's, it's really, you know, he's in just an incredibly low place. And then he has this experience, you know, maybe it's a dream or, you know, we're not totally sure, but he is able to have this in-depth experience where he goes to a cabin or a shack and he just has this enlightening experience where he's able to get a glimpse of how God sees what happened to him and to his daughter and to this person who made this terrible, awful decision to hurt his daughter. And it's incredible because he learns more about the background and life of this this man who has hurt his daughter. You know, it goes back to that hurt people, hurt people concept. This man comes from the worst kind of home, the worst kind of upbringing. His brain is broken, right? Because healthy people don't do these terrible things. And so he is, you know, he's completely mentally ill. And amazingly enough, he's able to find compassion and understanding for this terrible man and the terrible thing he's done because of the terrible life that he has led and the terrible circumstances that he was born into and raised in and exposed to. And he's able to see just that larger perspective of what this mortal life really represents in the grand scheme of things. And he's able to see how God loves all of his children. And he's able to see how he can be heartbroken that he's lost his daughter But if he wants to, he doesn't have to let it consume him the way it's been consuming him. He's also able to see that in that moment, he was trying to be the judge and dole out, you know, justice and consequences. And God is able to help him see that that's a very difficult job to be the judge of people and their lives and their decisions and that it's not his job. So this is another piece that helps me forgive people is when I, again, I adjust my perspective. I broaden my perspective in any way I can that helps. And I realize that I don't need to punish anyone. I don't need to send out that consequence. And my forgiveness does not condone their behavior. It does not take away from my experience of their behavior. It doesn't lessen anything. I just get to feel better. I just get to feel peace and love and relief instead of hanging on to extra pain, extra anger, extra resentment. So this takes us to um, episode 55, clean pain versus dirty pain. And this is another way that can help you understand this forgiveness concept. Another way we can know that forgiving someone does not mean that we don't honor our experience is that we can watch for if we're feeling clean pain or dirty pain around the experience. Now, typically you're feeling clean pain and then you add dirty pain on top of that clean pain. And so that's what you're watching for is if you've added that dirty pain. So for example, in this, in this movie, The Shack that I shared with you, losing his daughter that way is just completely life-changing and he should be absolutely grief-stricken and heartbroken and changed forever by that experience. And all of that is clean pain, being heartbroken and sad and just forever changed by it. That's all the clean pain of that experience. But then the dirty pain that he was adding on top of that was the part that was consuming his life and ruining his life. And 
the part where he wasn't forgiving himself for, you know, taking his eyes off her for those couple of minutes and they're camping and that's when she gets kidnapped. And the part of him that is obsessed with, you know, finding the person who did it and bringing him to justice. It's not that he shouldn't seek justice, but that he thought that he should be the one to bring down the consequence on this person, to bring down that ultimate judgment on him. And so hating himself and hating other people and hating God, all of that is the dirty pain of that experience. An experience that is already just beyond painful. And then we're able to add even more extra unnecessary and unproductive pain on top of it. So when you really get to the heart of forgiveness, you're able to see and separate the clean pain and the dirty pain of an experience. You can honor what happened and honor your feelings and stay in clean pain about it and clean up the dirty pain so that you're not adding that pain on top of pain. I want to share a personal experience with you guys before we wrap up this episode. Many years ago, a dear friend of mine passed away from cancer and she was a very close family friend of my family. She had some family that she was not extremely close to. She was close to her mother, but her mother lived far away and she really just became part of our family. And as she knew she was dying and as it got closer, she asked me to plan her funeral and coordinate with her family and take care of her finances and her apartment, basically be the executor of her estate. So she was single, did not have children and a complicated financial situation in that she had some debts that needed to be paid and just her apartment needed to be taken care of. There were just lots of things, lots of little things that had to be taken care of. And this is something that I have experience with. And uh, I have a brother who's a lawyer and a father who's an accountant. And I told her I'd be happy to do it. I'd happy, be happy to do that for her and give her that peace of mind, knowing that it was going to all get taken care of, that she didn't need to worry about that in her final moments. After she passed away and we had a beautiful funeral for her, that was when the, the next part of the work started. And, and one thing that was very challenging about that was that I was still grieving her loss, but I had to kind of go into work mode to take care of all of the, the business end of things. I mean, even beyond the, the business of the funeral, I, I don't know if for those of you that have planned a funeral or anything like this, it's, it's a pretty intense experience. And anyway, so quickly after her funeral, we had to pack and give away and, and sell and get her things all the right people that were they needed to be. And then I had to go about doing the work of settling up for, you know, the different, um, bills from her funeral and life insurance from her work policy. I mean, there's just like a lot of things. And then I had to go about paying off her, her debts that she had and, and things like that. So anyway, in the process of all of this, we weren't sure the status of her life insurance at the time of her funeral. And so her mother paid for a lot of the funeral expenses. And I worked really hard to make them as affordable as possible since we weren't exactly sure what, again, what the life insurance policy was going to provide. And so when it came down to it, the life insurance policy um, went to who she had designated as, as the beneficiaries, which were her parents who were not married. So they split the, the proceeds of the life insurance policy and none of it went into her estate to settle up some of those bills she was concerned about. So I had to put her estate into probate, I think is the right way to say that, so that I could be the one that the people worked with. So they knew that I was the one in charge. And 
then I proceeded to pay each of them just a percentage of what they were owed because that was what we were able to accumulate between liquidating her assets and settling all of that up. So without going into too many details, I'd worked closely with her mother throughout her passing and her funeral. And as I proceeded to take care of the business end of things afterward, some things were said and done that her mother was not happy with how they were handled. And I stood by how I decided to resolve things and I let her know what needed to happen. And I reminded her that I was in charge of making it happen. And she wrote me an email that I don't remember exactly what it said, but I still remember basically what it said, but more so how I felt after. And she basically told me that my dear friend was disappointed with the way that I had handled things, with the way that I had settled up her life and and her funeral and the business tasks that had to be attended to. Because she disagreed with the way, with some of the decisions I had made, she was very hurt. She was hurt that her daughter had died in the first place. And she was hurt by some of the decisions that I had made because she disagreed with them and she thought they should have been handled differently. And this was a moment where hurt people hurt people. And she lashed out at me in a way that she knew would cut me. She knew would just cause me a lot of pain because what I was doing was really hard and losing my friend was really hard. And because I had agreed to settle up all of her life affairs, in a way, I was robbed of my typical grieving period and experience that I would have gone through if I hadn't have had to deal with all of that. And in another way, all of it was just drawn on and on. And I had to focus on things I didn't want to have to focus on. I wanted to focus on her and her life and how amazing she was and all the things I missed about her. And instead I had to focus on her bills and her debts and her apartment and her furniture and her pets and, you know, all those things. And while I was so honored to take care of that for her, it was so challenging. And so in that moment, when her mother lashed out at me, letting me know that my dear friend was disappointed with the way that I had handled her affairs, I spent a day so wounded by that email, so devastated that she would say that to me. I wanted her to be grateful to me. I wanted her to say that I had done an amazing job. I wanted her to say that my friend was so pleased with the decisions that I had made, with the way that I had handled everything. But she didn't. She was hurt. And she hurt people hurt people. And she wanted to hurt me in that moment. So after a day of being devastated and offended and in pain and heartbroken, I I decided I didn't want to feel that way anymore. I could just literally feel myself giving all my power to my friend's mom and letting that email just consume me. I mean, I know again, it was only for a day and and it hurt for longer than that, but I quickly got on the path of forgiveness again for my own benefit. I felt terrible and I didn't want to feel terrible. This is all before I really understood how my brain worked and before I understood how to create forgiveness intentionally, but I did know how to take steps toward feeling forgiveness for what she had done and letting go, letting go of the terrible thoughts I was thinking and the terrible way I was feeling. And one of the greatest things I was able to do for myself in that moment was to find understanding and perspective for why she would do what she did. Because when we can't understand what someone has done, 
which is a place our lower brain loves to go. Like, this just doesn't make any sense to me. I can't understand why they would make this decision. I can't understand why they would say this or do this. When we can't understand it, then we, it's really hard to get a hold of it. We can't, we don't have compassion for them and for what happened. So understanding and perspective and compassion and love, I immediately started seeking all of those things for what my friend's mom had done. And I was able to quite quickly clean up the dirty pain around that situation. I was sad for my friend's mom for how hurt she must be feeling. And I was sad for me for the hurt that my thoughts were causing me. Again, I didn't know how to think about it in this way. But now that I look back on it, I don't know how to talk about it except as life coach (laughs) who understands how this works now. And but I let go of thinking she shouldn't have said that. I let go of worrying if she was right. I leaned into knowing and believing that my dear friend was so totally happy with and grateful for the way I settled up her affairs. And I was able to give myself that gift of so much peace and comfort and love around that situation. And my friend's mom didn't ever have to change her mind or think any differently. She didn't have to be sorry. She didn't have to apologize. And she's not in my life. We're friends on Facebook. I send her a Christmas card and I truly, honestly think loving thoughts of her. I know exactly why she did what she did and I forgive her. It's okay. I've got me. I like how I showed up in those moments. I stand by my decisions and I let go of my expectations that she should think or feel or behave any differently in that moment that she should have been thinking or feeling or behaving any differently in that moment. Okay, I'm going to end with one of my favorite thoughts from Jody Moore's podcast about forgiveness, which is the thought that there is no upside to not forgiving someone. And asking yourself that question can be really powerful. Like, what is the upside here? There's no upside to hanging on to it. There's no upside to staying in anger and resentment. There's no upside to holding on to those negative thoughts and negative feelings about another person. Zero. No upside. So when you're ready, start with the thought. Start with the thoughts that are causing you the pain and the anger and the resentment. And do the work that it takes to forgive the people in your life for yourself. And that is your mission for this episode. If you have someone that you've been struggling to forgive, study this topic. Listen to this episode again. Go listen to those other episodes that I recommended to you. Talk to other people in your life. I I started to look into this book called The Gift of Forgiveness that looks fantastic and I'm looking forward to reading it where she interviewed 22 people who had been through horrendous things and had experienced forgiveness in those moments. And it's basically just a case study on what actual forgiveness looks like in real life, in real life situations. So if you have someone that you're working to forgive, study forgiveness, get an understanding of it, what it looks like for you, how you want to feel, and know that you create that feeling with your thoughts. And if you're not ready to forgive somebody, this is the second part of your mission. That's totally okay. I want you to give yourself grace in that moment and just be sure to call it what it is. You could forgive them if you were ready, if you wanted to, but you're not ready for whatever reason. You've decided to stay where you are and that's okay. And the final part is practice all of these tools and concepts on yourself first. If you have things that you're holding on to that you are struggling to forgive yourself for, that's a perfect place to start. So that is your mission for this episode. And that is what I have for you guys today. 
Are you ready to take what you are learning here on this podcast to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month, along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life, and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.